Today on the Matt Walsh Show, after two months of being kept from the public, the body cam footage showing the minutes leading up to George Floyd's death has been released. Let's just say that the, that the issue is far more complicated than what the media led us to believe. We'll discuss that in detail today. Also, five headlines, including a white ESPN host openly gloating over the injury of a black NBA player who stood for the national anthem. And in our daily cancellation, I'm going to try to soothe the fears of a paranoid journalist who thinks that pickup trucks were invented to kill pedestrians. I will try to make him feel better about that, and then I will cancel him. All of that on the way. But first, let's talk about Paint Your Life, uh, sponsors of ours who I'm a really big fan of personally. I think one of the most meaningful gifts you can give a person is artwork. And I don't know about you, but I'm not exactly a gifted artist myself, so I need someone else to actually make the art. Uh, Fortunately, Paint Your Life has on staff many extremely skilled artists who can turn a photograph into a priceless work of art. I mean, this is what they do. They've been doing it for a long time. You won't be disappointed. If you want to get a truly meaningful gift, you've got to try PaintYourLife.com. You get a professional hand-painted portrait. This isn't some Photoshop deal, all right? They're they're painting it by hand, created from any photo at a truly affordable price. Choose from a team of world-class artists. Work with them until every detail is perfect. And uh, the user-friendly platform lets you order a custom-made, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's super easy. I'm telling you, I've done it myself, and I was expecting it to be way more complicated and sort of painful for me than it it actually was. It wasn't painful at all. Uh, And it also was way less expensive than than I thought it was going to be. So I was pleasantly surprised every step of the way. All you have to do is send any picture. It could be yourself, your children, family, special place, special pet, whatever. And they will turn it into art. It's as simple as that. They, they're doing all the work, uh, making it easier for you. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word MATT to 64000. That's MATT, M-A-T-T, to 64000. Text MATT to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. All right, we're going to um, talk about this now. We'll, 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 we'll back up and review a few things. Um, two months after footage of George Floyd's death went viral, sparking an epidemic of rioting and violence that killed dozens of people and caused untold damage to countless communities across the country, body cam footage of the incident has finally been made public. It was published by the Daily Mail. It was leaked to, to, to the outlet, and then they published it. Uh, the additional video, it, it lends cr- crucial context to the fatal encounter between Floyd and Officer Derek Chauvin. It also gives insight, importantly, into the states of mind of both men. And that's one of the main things you take away from this. Now, given that this tragic episode and the reaction to it has been the most significant story in the country for two months, and one of the most significant of the past decade, you might think, if you didn't know any better, that the media would treat the new evidence, this new footage, as a rather big story. You might think it'd be headlines everywhere, it'd be the main thing they're talking about. But so far, the opposite has been the case. The news media, for the most part, has had a noticeably muted reaction to the footage. One might even say, suspiciously muted. Perhaps that's because the story the new footage tells is, at the very least, far more complicated than the one the media and activists have been screaming into our ears since May. Um, that story, with which we are all extremely familiar, of course, is that George Floyd was a compliant, peaceful man who was strangled to death, they said, by a racist, anti-black, sociopathic cop. Straightforward, we were told. Quite literally, black and white. 
And, and the only opinion one can really have about it is the kind of opinion that is easily expressed on a protest sign. That's what we were told. Now, of course, we've known from the beginning that some of this was, to put it gently, um, not exactly accurate. Uh, you know, however Floyd was or wasn't acting on the day of his death, it strains credulity to use a word like peaceful to describe a man who once forced his way into a woman's home and robbed her at gunpoint in front of her child. That's a very difficult thing to call peaceful. Um, as for the racism claim, well, there's there's was perhaps no evidence to disprove it, but neither was ever any evidence presented to support it. It's merely assumed that any white police officer who kills a black suspect, no matter the circumstances, is motivated at some level by racism. Now, some of that, some some of these killings may be motivated by racism. I don't know, but the burden of proof is on those who make the claim. Yet those who make the claim rarely acknowledge that there is any burden of proof to meet, much less make any honest attempt to meet it. Also, anyone following the story has known for some time that, in addition to everything else, according to the medical examiner's report, Floyd was not strangled to death and did not die from asphyxiation, as the media had so confidently declared in the immediate aftermath. Uh, it was found that Floyd, who had pre-existing heart conditions, three illicit drugs in his system, including fentanyl, which is 50 times more potent than morphine, and known to cause uh, respiratory distress, it was found that he died of cardiopulmonary arrest, complicating law enforcement subdual restraint and neck compression. That's what the medical examiner said. A medical examination performed by an examiner hired by Floyd's family contradicted those findings, claiming that he was, in fact, um, he did, in fact, die of asphyxiation. So that was the status of things um, prior to this week's developments. We had an out-of-context video, a bunch of assumptions, and not much more. And those assumptions were considered reason enough to burn our cities. Now, the new footage doesn't necessarily clarify everything. In fact, it does the opposite. It adds complications and nuances to an issue that was once assumed to be utterly and completely straightforward. It's not. The body cameras worn by officers Alex Kang and Thomas Lane, the first two cops on the scene, show uh, a number of things. They show that Floyd is agitated and uncooperative from the first moment that officers arrive in response to a call from a business owner who accused Floyd of trying to pass off counterfeit bills. Floyd is uh, in his car when law enforcement first shows up. One of the officers draws his weapon because Floyd is initially hesitant to show his hands. They keep telling him to show his hands. He doesn't. Gun comes out. Once Floyd places his hands on his head in full view of the officers, the gun is holstered. After much coaxing, he's eventually removed from his car, taken to the police cruiser. Um, now, Floyd appears to have trouble walking on his way over to the police car, and they ask him several times if he's on something, and he was. He was on several things. He shouts, ow, and you know, seems to be in pain, even though he's only being grabbed by his arm. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's quite... Uh, He's, he's, he's doing a lot of screaming and acting as always in pain. Once at the vehicle, he repeatedly refuses to get inside, saying that he's claustrophobic, though he'd just been sitting in his own car without any apparent difficulty. On the contrary, he was extremely reluctant to get out of his own vehicle, only to then claim he's too claustrophobic to get back inside one. At one point, as officers try to convince him to get in the car, Floyd actually says that he'd rather lay on the ground. He also says several times that he's going to die, that he can't breathe. All of this before he was on the ground. And he ends up there on the ground because he either falls or pushes himself out of the other side of the police cruiser as officers struggle to get him, get him inside the vehicle. From that point, the scene unfolds as we all saw on the initial video uh, two months ago. 
Now, you could go online and, and watch the full body cam footage. I would recommend doing that so you get the whole context. Obviously, I can't play all of that footage here. But I will play a clip of the interaction between Floyd and the officers at the police cruiser because I think this is perhaps the most uh, relevant portion. Hands on top of your head. Step out of the vehicle and step away from me, all right? Step out and face away. Step out and face away. Please don't shoot me, please, man. I'm not going to shoot you. Step out and face away. I'm going to get you out of here, man. Please don't shoot me, man. I just lost my mom, man. Stop resisting, man. I'm not. Yes, you are. Oh, ouchie, man. Are you on something right now? I'm not, no, nothing. You act erratic. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, man. Let's go. Why y'all doing me like that? I was a please crack it for me and stuff, man. Okay. I am claustrophobic for real, Mr. You got him? Can you please crack it for me, please? Yes, I'm my name. Stay I with will. me, man. I will. Please stay with me, man. Thank you. I'm not that kind of guy, man. Take a seat. Y'all, I'm going to die here. I'm gonna die, man. You need to take a seat right now. And I just had COVID, man. I don't want to go back to that. Okay, I'll roll the window down. Hey, listen. Dang, man. Listen. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not a bad guy, man. In the car. I'm not a bad guy. Ah! Oh! Oh! Man! Oh! 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 Please, Oh! Please, Oh! 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 Now, as previously stated, none of this conclusively exonerates the officers of any and all wrongdoing, but it does establish a few facts that might mitigate their culpability. Number one, to review the facts, George Floyd was uncooperative, clearly intoxicated, and resisting arrest. Number two, the officers were remarkably calm and reasonable for most of the interaction. Number three, George Floyd claimed that he couldn't breathe and was going to die well before he had a knee on his neck. Number four, the officers never did or said a single thing that any reasonable person could possibly construe as racist. Now, all of those points are important, but let's, let's focus on point three for a moment here. Floyd said that he was too claustrophobic to get in the police car and that he might die and couldn't breathe, even though he was just in a, sitting in a car. Um, he was screaming that he was in pain, even though officers at that point weren't doing anything that could have caused him any uh, physical harm. We should also note that he, he said at one point that his mom had just died, even though she'd been dead for over two years. Now, the officers would not have known that, you know, when his mom died, obviously, but, or presumably, but um, the point is that cops, they hear nonsense like this from suspects all day, every day. Just ask them and they'll tell you. This can create a kind of boy who cried wolf situation where it's harder to tell when a suspect is actually in distress. If he's claiming he's in distress the entire time, even when he's not, then how do you know when he really is? When Floyd was on the ground saying he was going to die, it was no different from what he was saying while he was standing or what he was saying when he was in the car. These facts may not be exculpatory, but they, they certainly are relevant. The narrative, as it was originally presented, does not take into account any of these details. It demands that, they demands that we see the event as nothing more or less than a wanton act of random cruelty with nothing precipitating it, no context, and with not even an ounce of blame or responsibility to be shared by Floyd himself. 
Now, in reality, Floyd may still be the victim of some degree of negligence, but it seems that, that the murder charge will be difficult to prove. The truth just isn't that simple, and it rarely is. And that's a lesson we would all do well to remember for the future, especially where these police videos are concerned. One final point I want to make here, because I, I can't move on without uh, pointing this out. As I said, the media has not been anxious to talk about um, the uh, body cam footage. They have not been anxious. But the interesting thing is that CNN did report rather extensively on this body cam footage back before anyone in the public had seen it. They were able to view it weeks ago. It was being held from release at that point by the courts, but they let the media watch it. And that enabled CNN to describe it in their own words without anyone contradicting them. And uh, you can imagine how that went. The video offers basically context and clues that aren't included in the transcript, mainly the emotion of it and the speed with which this happens. Remember, these officers responded to a call over a fake bill being used within 36 seconds of them speaking to the store owner, that last words with the store owner, they now had a gun pointed in George Floyd's face saying, let me see your effing hands, after initially knocking on the window with a flashlight. And then throughout that interaction, George Floyd is sobbing throughout as he is pleading with officers, asking what he did, eventually calming down to the point where he seems to be complying and the struggle ensues. Then it's minutes after that, another struggle trying to get him into a police car and this is part of why viewing the video as opposed to just the transcript is so important. The last words listed in at least the transcript for former officer Thomas Lane lists those words as please. But then as you watch the actual video, you actually see a little bit later, there's another please. And then, man, I can't breathe. This is actually a very important lesson in media bias, what you just saw there. And it's, it's, it's the true reality of fake news that we should all understand. You heard the CNN reporter the, describing the body cam footage weeks before anyone in the public had seen it. Was his description a lie? No, not really. Um, in, in, the effect is, yeah, it was misleading and intentionally so. But nothing he said was in itself factually inaccurate. Floyd does cry and plead. And there are points in the video uh, when he seems to be complying. Of course, he's not really complying at any point at all, but uh, he's resisting the whole time. But he, he does seem to be complying in individual spots in the video. That's how it was phrased. And when you describe it like that, like the reporter does here, it sounds pretty damning for the police. When you watch it, on the other hand, it feels very different and looks very different. That's because CNN left out many details. And this is where the fake news almost always comes in. It's what they leave out. It's not what they say. It's what they leave out. They leave out that he's clearly intoxicated. They leave out that he, he says he's going to die and that he can't breathe before he was on the ground. They leave out that the officers themselves were patient and reasonable. They leave out that Floyd had a mysterious bout of claustrophobia right when they tried to get him in the car. Um, they leave out that he said that he wanted to lay on the ground. They leave out nearly every detail that I already mentioned. And I'm not going to continue to rehash here. They leave all of that, that out. So they issued a report that was dishonest, misleading, grotesque, reckless, defamatory, and yet technically accurate. And that's, that is fake news. That's how it works. It's far more insidious than we, than we tend to think in the way that we portray it. We, we, you know, we act like they're out there fabricating outlandish stories all the time. And there has been a little bit of that, but mostly not. What they do is they take real stories and they whittle them down into the shape and form, getting rid of the details they don't like, whittling them down into the shape and form 
uh, that that they prefer. And that's exactly what happened here. Perfect example of it. But there's the full context uh, that we all should know. And now we do. Let's move on to five headlines. Before we get into our five headlines here, um, I want to tell you about our very good friends at Rock Auto. You know, it, it's so much easier to get your auto parts online than it is to go to the store uh, these days, and not just these days, but any day, really. I just did this a few days ago. Um, needed a part for my Suburban and went on Rock Auto, got, took care of it in three minutes. You know, three minutes as compared to how long it would take to go to the store. You go there, and oftentimes they don't have what you're looking for anyway. They're going to have to order it online. Why not cut out the middleman? Just go, take your phone out of your pocket, go on your computer. Uh, whatever you want to do, and go to rockauto.com. Always offers the lowest prices possible. Rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do, uh, why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? That's a simple question, okay? There's there's no reason to do it. rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving online, uh, auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, the shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So they're not going to try to milk you for, for every dime that they can. They're going to offer you the best price that they possibly can. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. RockAuto.com. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Walsh in there. Uh, how did you hear about us, Box? So that they know that we sent you. Okay, some really shocking footage, uh, incredible, horrible footage, out of Beirut. And there's video of this from different angles all over social media right now. Massive explosion. I want you to watch this with the sound. Watch this. Yeah, from what I'm being told, uh, or not, well, not what I'm being told, like I have special sources. From what I've read, uh, they're they're right now trying to blame that on a fireworks factory explosion or something. I I've never seen a fireworks factory explode. I'm I confess, I'm a little skeptical that it would look like that. Uh, but also, I'm not going to really speculate because I have no idea whatsoever. Um, but there is there is the story that everyone will be, of course, following. Let's go uh, number two. Donald Trump, for some reason, did an interview with Axios. 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 Maybe the O is silent. I don't know. A-X-I-O-S. Something. I don't know how to pronounce it. But so he was on HBO giving an interview. And some clips of that interview have been circling, circulating. And, and um, the clips are, well, they're not, they're not great. They're, they're really not great at all. Let's, let's just watch one of the clips. John Lewis is lying in state in the U.S. Capitol. How do you think history will remember John Lewis? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know John Lewis. Uh, he chose not to come to my uh, uh, inauguration. Uh, he chose. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, I never met John Lewis. Actually, I don't believe. Do you find him impressive? Uh, I can't say one way or the other. I find a lot of people impressive. I find many people not impressive. But. No, but I didn't Did go. Did you find his story he impressive? Come, he didn't come to my inauguration. He didn't come to my State of the Union speeches. And that's okay. That's his right. And again, nobody has done more right. but, for but back black to, Americans than I have. I understand. He should have come. But back, I think he made a big mistake. But, but, I think ta he but taking come. your relationship with him out of it, do you find his story impressive, what he's done? 
for this country. He was a person that devoted a lot of energy and a lot of heart to civil rights, but there were many others also. There's a petition to rename the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama as the John Lewis Bridge. Would you support that idea? I would, I would have no objection to it if yeah. they'd like to do it. Yeah, it's a good idea. Would have no objection to it whatsoever. Okay. And that actually is not at all the worst bit of the interview, but it is the shortest clip I could find, so that's why I decided to play it. That's how I make editorial decisions. It's all about efficiency. So listen, here's all I'm, I'm gonna say, okay? Just some unsolicited advice that won't be heated and won't matter, so I'm just offering it up to the universe, okay? I'm shouting it out into the ether for no reason. Um, Trump should take one of two paths here. Either stop doing media Stop doing interviews, the Biden approach, or do them, but come in prepared with a plan and be on the ball, ready to answer basic questions. I think either of those approaches will be fine. I really, I have no preference. I, either one, I take either one. But doing the interviews and having no plan and just stammering around the questions, evading them in the clunkiest possible way, constantly bringing everything back to your own personal gripes, that is the worst of all worlds. That is literally the worst possible way to approach this particular facet of campaigning. And I find it, find it uh, endlessly frustrating. And anyone like me who really doesn't want Democrats to win in 2020 should also be frustrated by this and should be voicing their frustrations. Because it, it, is, it is, I think, part, in part because of all the yes men around Donald Trump and of all of his fans who just will never criticize him, um, it's in part because of them that he thinks that he can just wander, waltz his way into an interview um, with a with a talented interviewer, which this guy was, and sit down with no preparation and just wing it and say, yeah, bring it, you know, and he's going to come off well. That's what he thinks about himself. It's not true. He, 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 most people don't have the talent to do that. Maybe some people do. Trump is not one of those some people. He's not. He needs to be prepared or he's going to get chewed up and spit out, which is what happened here. And, and, and also, by the way, you know, I, I've, I've read some, I've seen some reactions on social media from, from Trump uh, people, you know, trying to pretend this was a, like an unfair interview and these were gotcha questions. No, they weren't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite certain that this reporter hates Donald Trump's guts. So what? The questions he, he asked were actually perfectly fair and reasonable. Um, they weren't gotcha questions. If a question like, uh, you know, what do you think of John Lewis, if that's a gotcha question for you, then, again, you're too incompetent to be doing interviews at all. That's a really easy question to answer. Oh, he's a civil rights icon, a, a real hero. Sorry to see you. Sorry, it was very sad at his passing. That's it. That's all you have to say. And then when they come back with, oh, but you guys were at odds. You didn't come to your, you didn't come to your uh, inauguration. I mean, it seems like, oh, that's fine. That's, that's fine. He has every right to do that, but that doesn't change the fact that he was a heroic man and uh, I have great respect for him and his family. There you go. That's all you have to say. And the thing is, before you try to say, well, well Trump didn't want to pander. He's, he's going to shoot from the hip and he's not pandering. Not true. He got around to saying that, Right. But it's just before he got there, he stammered around for a minute and a half and kept saying over and over again, like a, like a sixth grader with his feelings hurt, he didn't come to my inauguration. Just cut that crap out and get right to the answer. Or don't do the interviews. Be like Biden, hide in the basement. All right.
Let's go to number three. Uh, Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic was the first player to stand for the anthem before a game. Um, and, and, you know, this is literally taking a heroic stand here. You got to think about what that involves. He's the first guy in the entire NBA to include coaches and everybody actually standing to show his respect for the flag. And then um, Isaac, shortly after, blew out his ACL and was, of course, done for the, for the year. The left, wonderful people that they are, have been gloating about this, including an ESPN host, Dan Lebitard, who posted a poll online uh, asking whether the injury was funny. And now Lebertard has, has apologized and claimed that he wasn't claiming it was funny. He was just asking whether other people think it was funny. Sure. So uh, Lebertard, to be clear, is, is white and Isaac is black. So this is a white man laughing over a black man's injury because the black man doesn't agree with his politics. That's what's happening there. But the thing I really wanted to, to, to home in on here is, is the line of questioning that Isaac endured after the first game where he stood for the anthem and didn't wear the Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Listen to this. This is, this is, this is the question he was asked at a post-game press conference. So you didn't kneel during the anthem, but you also didn't wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. Uh, do you believe that Black Lives Matter? Absolutely. I believe that Black Lives Matter. Um, a, lot, a lot went into my decision, and, and part of it is, first off, um, is, is, is my thought that you know kneeling or wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt um, don't go hand in hand with supporting Black Lives. And so um, I felt like, just me personally, um, and what it is that I believe in, standing on a stance that um, I do believe that Black Lives Matter, but I, I just felt like it was the decision that I had to make, and, and, and I, I didn't um, you know, feel like putting putting that shirt on and, and kneeling uh, went hand in hand with um, supporting Black Lives, or that it, it made me support Black Lives or not. I believe that uh, for myself, my, my, my life has been supported um, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and that everyone is made in the image of God, and that we all foreshadow sure God's glory. Do you believe that black lives matter? That was the act. This is a black man you're talking to. That would be a a dumb enough question if it was a white. It would be exceedingly dumb uh, to ask a white athlete that if he stood for the national anthem. Oh, does standing for the national anthem mean that you hate black people and think their lives don't matter? Exceedingly dumb to ask a white person. You're asking a black guy. So you're asking him, so are you standing for the national anthem because you think your own life doesn't matter? What? Talk about a non sequitur. Are you really asking me that, you moron? I mean, this will be my response. Of course, uh, this player is much nicer and more gracious than me, Jonathan Isaac. So he, 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 he answers the question without indicating how incredibly stupid it is. Good for him there. Very patient man. Um, but just th- they actually asked a black man whether he thinks black lives matter. Um, all right, number four, here's Governor Cuomo lobbing a rather large, significant accusation at Donald Trump. This was a colossal blunder how COVID was handled by this federal government. Colossal blunder. Shame on all of you. Six months, lives lost. Hit the reset button, yes. But the way the medical experts are are talking about it, it won't work. It won't work unless you hit the reset button and you start with the truth. Because if the American people 
are continued lying to, the confusion and the chaos and the denial will continue. Hit the reset button. It's called the truth. It's called the plain truth. The American people are smart. If the president actually tells them the truth and says, I made a mistake, he's not going to be telling them anything they don't know. Every American knows he made a mistake. Every American knows this was the worst government blunder in modern history. Worst governmental blunder in modern history. Now, you know where I'm going with this. I, I don't even think I need to say it. But this is the guy who made the decision to force nursing homes to take in COVID patients, directly resulting, and along with other Democrat governors, directly resulting, directly causing um, the deaths of thousands of elderly people. Forced them to take them in. Thousands of elderly, elderly people die. And he's accusing Donald Trump of the worst blunder in modern history. All of the blunders that he's accusing Donald Trump of are things that Trump said. And granted, some of that stuff was very stupid. Like when he said that there's 15 people have COVID and it's going to go away after this and uh, it's going to magically disappear. He said that a few times, very stupid thing to say. Those are words though, okay? This is policy. The blunder that Cuomo made was a policy that killed thousands of people. So... I, I think Cuomo's being a little modest here. He's being he's being a little too humble, and he's he, he's trying to say to, to Trump, "Oh no, Trump can have the top spot for worst b- blunder." Not not me. I'll give it to Trump. No 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 Cuomo. I I I find your humility admirable, but I think actually you get to take that top spot for worst governmental blunder in modern history. Number five. Um, finally, it's maybe a stretch to put this in the headline section, but I'm not sure where else to put it. So here we are. Uh, a tweet from the WNBA account on Twitter. It says. Have you been keeping up with the 2020 season? Test your knowledge every Monday to see if you're the biggest WNBA fan. Then there's a link to the trivia. I thought it could be fun if we um, actually went ahead and, and uh, tried uh, to take this quiz together. I, I just thought, you know, to test our WNBA knowledge. Because I figure that WNBA trivia is the hardest test you could ever take. Getting all this right would be like a be like the moment in Goodwill Hunting where Matt Damon solves the, the math equation nobody else could get. It, it, it seems almost impossible. There's probably two or three people on earth who could ace a WNBA trivia quiz. And um, so we're going to try and see how this goes. Uh, all right. Let's say follow along. Last weekend, I don't know how many questions there are. Hopefully it's not that many because this bit will really get old after about two minutes. Last weekend, uh, Chennedy Carter, maybe it's Kennedy, C-H-E-N-N-N-N-E-D-Y. Chennedy? Kennedy? It better not be, not be pronounced Kennedy. You name your kid Kennedy and spell it with a C-H? I don't know. I don't know how it's pronounced. I mean, I'm a big fan. Don't get me wrong. Been following Chennedy Carter for, for years. Um, made her rookie debut for, oh, well, she's a rookie, so I didn't, I guess, I've been following her for weeks. Feels like, it feels like I've known her forever. Last weekend, Chennedy Carter uh, made her rookie debut for which team? Chicago Sky, Washington Mystics, Atlanta Dream, Dallas Wings, Connecticut Sun. Why do all the team names sound like Crayola cover, colors? Chicago Sky, Atlanta Dream, Connecticut Sun. Um, okay, I'm going to say uh, Chicago Sky. Nope. She was selected by the Atlanta Dream. All right. 
Um, which team finished the first week of the season with a three and one record? All of the above: Minnesota Lynx, Seattle Storm, Washington Mystics, or Chicago Sky. Now, first of all, the all of the above option is at the top. There's nothing above it. All of the above goes at the bottom. It's like the WBA, they can't even do a trivia quiz right. Um, no offense. But usually when, you, when, they, when you're you know, doing a quiz and there's an all of the above, I, I say from experience as a student who um, took many quizzes without ever really knowing the answers to anything because I never studied or did my homework, uh, usually when there's an all of the above option and there isn't one in every question, you go with all of the above. So I'll say all of the above. Correct. Okay, that's one. Which rookie dropped 33 points in her second game? Satao Sabali. Sabrina Ionskew, Lauren Cox, Bella Allery, Chenity Carter. Big fans of all these women. Uh, great, great players. But I'm going to say Lauren Cox. If, if, if any of these players, uh, you know, when you follow her career, even go back to high school um, and, and you follow, you know, considering the, the position she plays on the court um, of point guard, I, I just think that Lauren Cox is, oh, nope. It's not. It's Sabrina Ionescu scored 33 points. Well, good for her. Okay, which player is leading the league in points per game after week one? Ariel Atkins, Aja Wilson, Bria Hartley, Kelsey Mitchell, Dewana Bonner. Uh, I got to say that I know for a fact it is Ariel Atkins. She is a scoring machine. She can even jump up and touch the net. Pretty impressive. And nope, it was Dewana Bonner currently leads the league. All right, so I got one out of four. That's the end of the quiz, one out of four. This this puts me easily in the top 5% of all WNBA fans um, that I could get one out of four right. So I, I, gotta, I gotta give myself a lot of credit for that. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully we all learned something about the WNBA today. You didn't think you would learn WNBA trivia, but you did. We're gonna go to our daily cancellation. But first, um, if you're not a Daily Wire member, All Access member, you're really missing out. All Access is our most exclusive membership tier featuring behind-the-scenes uh, access to us, the podcast hosts, as well as writers and special guests. All Access members also get early access to new Daily Wire products. And as part of that, I'm excited to announce our brand new limited count collector's edition baseball bat in collaboration with Pillbox Bat Company, handcrafted here in the U.S., emblazoned with a Daily Wire logo. There's a limited uh, number of these, 1 to 100, right, that we're doing. And um, the... the uh, Individual number will be on each of these bats. Okay, so these bats are currently only being offered to our All Access members. So join our up or upgrade now before they're all gone. All Access members also get to participate in our All Access live discussions. You get a lot, plus you get two leftist tears tumblers and you get 20% off if you use the coupon code All Access right now. Go to dailywire.com slash Walsh. Okay, now for our daily cancellation, uh, we have up to bat here, so to speak, Ryan Cooper. He's a correspondent for the publication The Week, and he was reacting to an article in the Wall Street Journal, an article that uh, complains that pickup trucks are too big these days because someone decided to write an entire article around the kind of banal observation you make when you've been in a car for seven hours with somebody and there's nothing left to talk about, so you're just driving along and you turn to them and say, well, these pickup trucks are really big. You notice that? Really big these days. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're really big. In fact, all kinds of cars are big these days. Yeah. 
Uh, riveting conversation, as always, in the cars. But Ryan's observation, though, is not quite that banal. In fact, it's actually pretty fascinating. This is what he says. Sales of mega pickups, which have basically been deliberately designed to intimidate and kill pedestrians, are booming. It's one thing to say that they're too big. It's another thing to say they're deliberately designed to kill pedestrians. Now, uh, well, no, no, sorry. He didn't say deliberate. He said basically deliberately designed. And can I just say for the record, as we're doing this, in fact, I'm going to cancel the word basically too, because the word basically is not, as it is so often used, an escape hatch allowing you to make wildly inaccurate claims. Okay, People throw the word basically into a sentence thinking that they can then veer off into fantasy land and basically is this magical incantation that makes their fantasy into a reality. So this happens all the time, especially in arguments. I mean, we've all, it's very common these days where you say something like, um, well, I, I think that we, we, we spend too much on entitlements, uh, entitlement programs in this country. And the person responds, oh, oh, so you're basically saying that we should round up all the poor people and throw them into the sea. Isn't that, that's, that's, that's basically what you're saying. No, that's not what I'm basically saying at all. In fact, it's uh, what I'm basically saying is what I said, because it's a pretty basic concept. So I, I said what I said, and that's really all that I said. As for the claim that Ryan is making here, I hope I don't have to spend too much time debunking it. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know if I need to present like sources and evidence to, to debunk the claim that pickup trucks are designed with the intention of killing pedestrians. Um, I guess he imagines a scenario where people go to the dealership, like the Ford dealership, and say, yeah, I'm looking for a pickup truck with a good towing capacity, a, a long bed, um, oh, and the ability to pulverize five old ladies at a time while they're crossing the street. You have anything for that? Oh, right this way, sir. Yeah, we have... We have a section just for that right over here. Um, that's what he imagines. Let me put his mind to rest. Ryan, don't worry. Um, I myself have, have lived in many small towns and rural type areas. I've been around quite a lot of pickup trucks. I don't drive one myself. As I said before, I drive a Suburban because I have four kids as well. Um, and... But I've been around them quite a bit, and I, I can tell you that they are not designed to kill you. So you can calm down, city boy. You, uh, no one's going to run you over while you're sitting at your cafe eating French pancakes or whatever the hell you're doing. Pickup trucks are not designed for that. They're designed, very simply, to carry machine guns. Really big machine guns. And that's how pickup drivers kill pedestrians, with machine guns. And it's 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 a much quicker death, you know, less less painful. So, just stop being so paranoid and stop complaining. Also, all right, and you're canceled. Um, there we go. Hopefully, hopefully, it, I, I thought we could we could end on a positive note there. Just a, a word of encouragement for our friend uh, Ryan. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. 
Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.